This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. This episode is sponsored by Redmond's Real Salt. If you follow my work on Nutrition with Judy, you know that I'm a big fan of using unrefined salts, and one of my favorites is Redmond's. Redmond's was one of the main sponsors of the Carnivore 75 Heart Initial Challenge. Redmond's not only has salts, they also have organic seasonings, which my husband uses all the time to cook with. And they also have toothpaste or earth paste that has no fluoride or chemicals and toxins. I love using earth paste with my kids and even on myself. We also use their facial detoxing supports like their facial mud and bentonite clay. They also have clay baby powder that is safer than conventional baby powders. And most of all, they have my favorite carnivore shirt and sweatshirts that I love to wear while working offline. I'm sure by now most of you use Redmond Salt, but if you haven't checked out all their other goods, make sure to go to redmond.life and at checkout use code NWJ to get 15% off your purchase. Make sure to check out Redmond's and let's get back to the show. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about.、It's- It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk,、yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe、yeah. some fresh air,、uh, and, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath. Thanks so much for joining us, and I'm joined by my co host, Judy Cho. If you enjoy this episode, please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us continue to share our message with the community. Today, Judy and I decided we were going to talk about stress and Uh, Judy, I'm not going to lie, that's pretty ironic because I had an incredibly stressful day. And I don't want to talk about dealing with stress right now because I feel like I didn't handle it well today, I guess. If you don't mind, and you know, it's up to you how much you want to share, but like what kind of happened, if you want to give us a, you know, a general summary, and then how did you handle your stress? I normally love Mondays. So today's a Monday, the day that we're recording this. but... I normally love Mondays because they're very structured. It's like my fresh start to the week. I usually have like a lot of really structured meetings, but it was one of those days in my real life job where I just walk in and 
kind of halfway through your morning, this huge major project shows up and then everything happens. That's like super urgent. You have to drop everything you're doing and change everything. So um, I know you are aware of that, right? How that goes. And then on top of that, just dealing with personal life, like Nathaniel's birthday is coming up and um, trying to plan all that stuff out. It's like one of those days too, where I feel like I'm having to make decisions for everybody (laughs) where like Chris is coming to me, asking me decisions. And I probably wasn't as patient and kind with him as I should have been because I'm just telling him to figure it out himself, which is not helpful, obviously. Um, I don't know if that ever happens to you or not, but. Yeah, no, 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 it totally does. I mean, I think sometimes I work with my clients all day long. And then, so when my husband asks stuff, I'm just like, figure it out. Like, I I can't, I can't help you anymore. I'm tired of being the boss. I want somebody else to make a decision. So how did you handle the stress then? So did you come home? Did you just veg? Like, what did, did you just sit on the sofa? Like, what did you do kind of to alleviate some of the stress you felt today? So normally I fast on Mondays, but I do find that whenever I'm super stressed out like this, I just, I mean, my old way is turning to food and I still think that that's a huge trigger for me. And like, I, I just still want to eat. Um, so I, I do, I mean, I was planning on fasting today. Typically I, I skip Mondays and I fast, but I didn't, I ate today. I ended up eating a whole pound of bacon and some eggs. Um, but I guess that's the difference where I'm learning what I can eat and not eating carbs or sweets or sugars, but still like giving myself permission to eat, but making sure that it's not anything bad. Um, like it used to be, you know, it wasn't like I ate binge out on sugar and carbs like I would have in the past. And and then how did you feel? Like, how did you feel not fasting, but having, you know, so it's kind of like meeting in the middle, right? So normally you would have fasted, but you didn't choose fasting, but you still had um, some bacon and eggs. So like, were you okay with that? Like, what was kind of going on in your head? I, I think because I choose my one hard and fast rule is like, stay carnivore. Stay carnivore no matter what. Like, that's the death grip that I have on that one kind of rule. And the only thing that it's non-negotiable for me. And then everything else, like the fasting, is nice to have. Like, I intend to fast. I have goals for fasting. Those are my intentions. But if it doesn't work out, like, it doesn't work out and I'm fine with it. So I think old me, 2020 me obviously with everything that happened last year or like the world didn't kind of gave up on everything sometimes or tried to make too many rules. But I think I'm learning to like only have one thing that's my never give up on or my non-negotiable. You know, if I didn't fast today, like, okay, well, I didn't fast, but I ate bacon and eggs and like, that's fine with me. You know, when I talked about the carnivore 75 hard movement and I talk about the daily wins, in essence, that's what it is, right? So instead of thinking about the long-term goal of, hey, I want to lose weight, hey, I want to get rid of or have less symptoms of autoimmunity, whatever the reasons are, right? I want to work on my eating disorder, all of these things, instead of looking at that hard goal, which is really hard, right? So if you were to say, no, um, I'm going to stick to Monday's fasting, no matter what, and then you have a hard day, and you don't know how to kind of deal with it, um, that becomes really hard. And then you can just, you know, break everything. And, and that's not a fun place to be. But if you were to just have daily wins, and maybe one of your daily wins, no matter what is to stick to carnivore, and that's what's helping you. And that's why I always tell people just have daily wins. And it's whatever that's still kind of hard to achieve, but you could still achieve it that no matter what, when the day is over, you still feel accomplished, even if it's not as accomplishing as like another day that maybe you would have fasted on a Monday, right? But this is, it's good. It's good to have flexibility and then have realistic, I guess, day to day goals and wins. That makes so much sense to me too. Like, I think I do that without even labeling it that Mm -hmm. in my real life, in my job, I'm like, it's very important to me to, to be good at that and to like have, 
you know, check marks and balances and completions of things. And so in days like today, when they're chaotic and you end the day and you're like, what did I even accomplish? It's hard for me to label those things and to feel successful if I don't have those daily wins. I think exactly what you're saying is something that's really true for me, but I don't, I just didn't know to label it that way. I think that's where, you know, a lot of people fell apart last year. I mean, it's, it's really interesting. So, you know, when you were, when you feel stressed, what, what do you feel in your body? Like, do you feel a physical symptom? Like, how do you know you're stressed? I think I just feel rage. Like, I don't, (laughs) I think I just like, I don't know. I think I get really just, that's my issue. I probably, Chris will probably agree. Like, I think I just get mad or I get really snappy. I get like, I get hungry. Maybe that has to do with, I don't know that you probably know more. It doesn't have to do with blood sugar. It has to do with adrenaline. Um, I also just, you know, old me wanted to eat and sleep and I would take a nap and I like never can take naps anymore. And I obviously can't binge on sugar, which binging on sugar and then taking a nap go hand in hand. And that's a way to like fall into that cycle. But right now I don't know, like, I don't know what's happening in my body other than just the fact that I just feel sometimes like shaky and I kind of chaotic. Like I don't really, it's really hard for me to focus on, you know, the, the through path in that moment of stress. Yeah. So when we are stressed, how do you know you're stressed? Or no, someone said to me, one of my, um, one of my staff said, I totally know when you're stressed or you're mad. And she says, you start clicking on your keyboard board so much harder than you normally do. <laughs> Just like la- angry typing. Yeah, and I never knew that I did that. And I was like, really? She goes, yeah, I could tell when you're mad. Like you have these little signs. And And one of the things is our physiological, we tense up. So when we're mad, like that's why naturally our hand will get into a fist because we're getting angry and we start feeling like that adrenaline, like you're saying. So our bodies, when we are stressed, when we're angry, when, when we just have mental stress, or even if it's physical, like let's say we get in an accident, all of those feelings, the rush of adrenaline, it raises our cortisol, which then raises our blood sugar. So if I bet you at that peak of your anger, when you were to check your blood sugar, I bet you would be much higher. And I've had many clients check during those times, and then they did notice an increase in blood sugar. And the thing that happens is when your blood sugar increases, the body also wants you to now go seek food because in case you run out of energy, right? So the body can produce you energy within the body for that short time. But then it's going to also want as your blood sugar starts kind of normalizing after that moment of uh, stress, then you may start craving sugar. So that's why a lot of people, when they're stressed, they turn to food. Some of it may just be just from when you're a very young age, you turn to food for comfort. It's interesting, but when you are emotionally charged, like you're angry, you want to chew or you want to eat more crunchy foods. And this might not be for everybody because you're mad, right? You want that like breaking. So you're chewing with your, um, the chips. I want to angry eat. Yeah, like angry eating. Exactly. And then when you're happy or you're celebrating, you know, or maybe even like when you're sad, you soothe with ice cream, right? It's like a soothing kind of thing. You're not going to really crunch when you're sad. Now, this isn't totally 100%, but there are tendencies like that. And so when we are stressed, we do turn to food one, because it's a way that we've always soothed our whole life. And so that's why I always say it's so, so important to focus on before you get mad tools that you can then set yourself up so that when there are days that you get mad or have stress, which everyone will have at a certain point, like, what are you going to do when you're 
old habits are no longer there for you to use. Right. Maybe that's why I was angry eating crunchy bacon today because that's oh, the yes. only thing. Yeah, I didn't even think about like, it. Yeah. I didn't either. That's maybe that's like the only thing that sounded good to me. You know, Chris even offered to make me a steak and I was like, oh no, I just want to eat all the bacon. <laughs> yeah. And it's crunchy, right? In right. your mouth you hear the crunch, crunch, crunch. And so yeah, you should see that. It's like next time you get upset or stressed, I wonder if you're gonna crave something that's crunchy. But you know, for all of us, there's always going to be stressed during this pandemic, there is more stress than ever. And so I think we've become, uh, we consider this kind of level of stress now normal, but I would say everyone's like two notches higher in stress than maybe prior to carnival, I mean, prior to the pandemic. And so we need to just learn how to manage stress, because if we don't, it affects everything else in the body. I hear people talking all the time about how like, stress makes your weight loss stall, it affects your hormones. And so I guess those are things I don't understand. I think I know I just get more tense or my body gets sore and I get kind of like physically exhausted after you've been stressed for a while or kind of I feel like I'm dealing in a, with a stressful season in my job, like a transitionary period in my job right now, which is really stressful. And so it's been height, more heightened every day. So I do feel like I'm sleeping a lot less, but I kind of don't know if that's difference in how I'm eating or like what's those are the things I guess I don't understand, right? I feel the symptoms of all those, but I, I don't understand that as much. There are, I mean, obviously you can do tests that will really quantify how stress is going on in your body. So you can take like, you know, a cortisol saliva test throughout the day and you can measure your cortisol. You could also do a Dutch hormone test, which basically shows your cortisol again and other sex hormones throughout the day. And it kind of shows you what's normal and then where you fall. And so like, so normally in the mornings, your cortisol should be highest And there are a lot of people that aren't. And it may be because you're depleted now of your cortisol hormone because your body has been chronically stressed. And then over time, your hormones will get affected. The biggest thing I always say about hormones is that your body has to do and make first priority the blood sugar balance. And with that comes, if you are highly stressed, your blood sugar keeps going up. And so your body will use all of the endocrine system, which is your hormone system to balance blood sugars first over everything else. So if you're chronically stressed, your adrenals will make uh, cortisol, which is what helps us to manage stress, but that hormone over everything else. So your adrenals also manage um, uh, aldosterone, which helps your the sodium level levels, which will then affect your blood sugar, I mean, your blood pressure, and then everything else. So they also produce other types of hormones. And then all the other hormones like your thyroid, your sex hormones, all are interconnected. And so if you only have a certain amount of nutrients, and if they all get shuttled to make cortisol, because you're so highly stressed, well, imagine what happens to everything else. There goes your sleep, there goes right. your gut health, there goes your your thyroid, your sex hormones, right? So on top of eating a high sugar diet, it'll be a disaster. But if you start eating carnivore and you still struggle in these areas with hormonal balance, one, I would consider what you're eating. Um, maybe you need to do a little bit higher fat to modulate the protein, but also it's just, you need to manage stress, right? So on a day like this for you, Laura, it's good that you, it's better that you didn't eat anything that's non-carnivore and you stuck to carnivore. Um, but an even better tip could maybe be you before even having your meal, maybe you had certain things that are like self care list, right? What was the process in you like deciding to eat the bacon? Where did you like cool down a little bit? What was what all happened? I mean, when I'm kind of in it, you don't really think about those things. Like it wasn't like I was in the moment thinking like I'm having a super stressful day or even being able to identify that. I think sitting here now at the end of the day, 
I'm able to look back and, and kind of identify where it all happened. But in the moment, that's certainly not something I can do. I just knew like, I'm going to eat my arm and I just need some food. <laughs> so Chris, can you please make me some bacon um, while I'm working and trying to deal with this, this situation that I have in front of me. And so I guess that's kind of it where I have to be able to identify things more in the moment or, you know, I still, after all this time, knowing what I know and knowing my triggers, I still, I at least am able to replace the bad food. But I think that's where I struggled the most all of last year was just the boredom eating, the stress eating. You know, mm-hmm. that's where most of my weight gain came from last year was because I, I still had not replaced those food habits to manage my stress, right? Old me before carnivore would do all those things. But even post carnivore, I still would emotionally eat or stress eat. And that's, I think that was the biggest wake up call for me in 2020 was like, you still have a problem. You still have emotional eating issues. You still have food issues and it doesn't matter what you're eating. Girl, you can overeat anything. And so, you know, that's the part that I'm still working through and and dealing with. Yeah. And I think I think a lot of people deal with that. And that's why I always say that carnivore is not going to cure disordered eating or the dependence on eating. So one of the tools I always tell my clients to do is when you are in a good place, right? So not when you're stressed and then when you're stressed and you're basically, your cortisol is high, your adrenaline is high, your emotions are high, that you're not using your prefrontal cortex or the logical side of your brain. So you're just acting more animalistically. And so in those situations, now you've kind of ingrained in it that you're still going to stick to meat. So that's why you're able to instead of going and getting a cupcake or something. But we have to also know that there are other habits we can also put into place, right? So maybe instead of the bacon, maybe one day you can get to a point where you can fast that food isn't even a question of like, that's what I'm going to use for coping. One of the things I recommend my clients do is on a day that they feel good, they just write down what are things that I do for self care, right? So write down a huge list. And then I ask them to put it in a glass jar and then make post it notes. And then when you're mad, or you're upset, and you can't think you just have that jar like on your desk, let's say when you're working, and you just pick out one at a time what you're going to do until that stress kind of gets alleviated. And so then by dinner time, you're not even thinking if um, you're going to eat the bacon or not. So and that may not always work. But I know because you yourself know what makes you feel better, you can go down those options when you're not able to process and think of those options, so that then you could just go through them as actions, right? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that's a good idea. I think just being able, like you said, being able to think about it when you're not in the moment. Yeah, um, yeah. Because then it's too hard. You can't correct the behaviors that you have, like when you're in that, um, you have to be able to plan ahead. I mean, that's the biggest thing for all of us with food addiction or stress eating or emotional eating is like to have an out. How are you going to avoid this? Like know that it's coming, plan ahead for it. It's always those times when the emotions or the stress or the grief or the pain the sadness, the hap, whatever, they catch you off guard. Like I'm really good at planning ahead for a moment of how do I avoid this in the future? But it's when you're caught off guard. Like those are the times when it's a lot harder. I know last year you wrote a book and and you manage clients and you have your family and you guys were stuck at home. And like, how did that, how did your stress show up for you last year? Um, Cheryl so much from the professional side of things, but like, what does that look like for your real life? You know, it's interesting. I turned to food all the time prior to carnivore. So, 
and I never knew I did. So again, I used to think that I only turned to food as weight loss. Um, and so that's why I had an eating disorder. I never thought it was actually an emotional thing until I went through therapy. And so yes, I absolutely, if I was celebrating, so I finally made it through some hard milestone, I would celebrate with food. And then if I was really stressed, so after a long day of consulting of working 14 hours, I'd come home, and I'm like, I'm going to eat clean. And then as soon as I start eating, I ended up doing a binge and then so on and so forth. So in those times, I don't know what I would do now because I wasn't, I'm not in consulting anymore. But when I feel stressed now, I mean, it's weird. I don't have the cravings to binge anymore. But if I feel anxious, I do see myself go back and forth to the pantry. And then maybe I'll have some pork rinds or the beef jerky. Um, And so then I'll notice like a slight increase in weight. It took me a time to get here. So before it was like, anytime I felt like I overate, I'm like, oh, no, I need to get rid of it. And now I've become much more accepting of, oh, man, I'm not at the weight I want to be now that I've been like snacking and this and that I see it on my body, right. And I've become so much more accepting. I don't know how I really got here. Maybe it was worth it for all my clients, maybe because I'm just happier. I don't know. But I hate that I gained the weight, but I'm not, I guess I must not really hate it, right? Because I keep doing it. I definitely noticed there's a shift just from eating meat based. I'm, I, I can't really pinpoint what it is before when I would eat anything and it was like, there would be like a siren that would go off in my head. And I'm like, nope, I passed that limit. And now I got to do the deed of getting it out of my body. And I don't, I never get it now. Even if I overeat on days, like if I have two big bags of pork rinds, I've never done that, but let's say one big bag. I know in my head, oh, man, I'm probably going to feel heavier tomorrow, or I probably had some with MSG or whatever it is, but I don't do anything about it, you know, and then the next day, sometimes I'll eat it again, right? So I feel hugely blessed with that. But I'm sure I need to work on that too, right? So how do I manage my stress? Um, I guess a lot of it is just talking to my husband, you know, talking to you, and just, I know for me, so this is where it's really important to get to know yourself. But for me, I need to have someone understand me. And if I don't feel understood in what I'm upset about, that's that's how I process. And if I can't do that processing, and I think that's part of the reason why I want to do this podcast, but with you. Um, but if I can't process, then I think it still stays in me and I'm like kind of upset about it. But that is one big way I manage my stress is just to talk about it. And then I tell the people like, say that like Kevin's my boss or then I would tell him, hey, Kevin, if you want to have a meeting with me about the kids, you have to schedule it in my <laughs> calendar because I already planned 10 things today. And this is where I get super efficient. And he gets really annoyed I do that. But I'm like, you're not on my calendar right now, so I can't talk to you, right? So it's also just setting up those boundaries. But again, it really depends on your your kind of needs. And so that's why I say, think about what will help you. So in your situation, Laura, so in the future, there's going to be another situation where you get a bomb dropped on you. And it's like, good luck, Laura, have fun with right. it, right? We know you're going to be able to manage it. Write down, how are you going to manage that, right? So if you have a bomb dropped on you again, how are you going to manage it? Maybe the first thing you write down on this list of to do's that you do without using your brain is to go for a walk, just do breathing exercises. And then just, I'm going to get through this. I had all this stuff planned. And now they're making my day chaotic when I like organization and rules. And, you know, I know how my day is going to go. And now I don't. And it's not about me. They're the ones that are kind of, you know, and just have these things that will calm you down. But again, only you will know that. So you have to figure out and write down in journal what will make you feel better. Right. That's, I always feel like the people talk so positively about stuff like meditating and breathing. And I, I wish I could, I mean, this is just because I have never fully given into it and haven't given it my 
complete focus or even my complete openness, I think. But I just am not somebody who's ever been able to like give into that or do it or find value in it, which is such a terrible thing to say. But I just like I'm somebody who needs to just put my head down and like get stuff done. And so today or any day when I'm feeling this way, it's like I can't reduce that stress until I start knocking things off my to-do list and like thinking about stepping aside and having those breathing exercises or, you know, doing those things that you mentioned are so positive, obviously, for reducing your stress. But in some ways, it almost like stresses me out worse because I just... I feel like of the time that's being taken away from it, I guess. But yeah, no, I get that because I'm wired just the way you are. But the thing is, if you so I know that when I wake up in the morning, I have all these things I have to do. Like I, I literally have checklists every day. You, and I'm like, I don't, everybody <laughs> asks you online too, like, how do you even sleep? Because you're posting at like three in the morning. You're constantly messaging me in the middle of the night. And then so I don't even know. Nobody knows when you sleep. This is the mystery of Judy that nobody understands because you you are a machine and like somehow 24 seven, the nutrition with Judy machine is working for e- efficiency. No. So I do sleep some, it's just random. And I, and you know what? I think it's because I still nurse Aiden and he's almost five. And at this point I should be really embarrassed, but um, I think it just never made me have a normal sleep schedule again. So, you know, whenever he wanted a nurse, I would nurse him. Um, but I, you know, try to get in between five to eight hours every day. But I do note it, like I got my hair mineral test done and it shows adrenal stress. So I'm not going to lie. So I'm, I guess as much as I preach that we need to manage stress. And I think that's why I'm also honing in on this is because I saw that, um, you know, I have certain adrenal stress symptoms with certain uh, minerals that are imbalanced. And I was just like, oh, no. Right. And the reason I'm not really sharing right now is because I am taking supplementation of minerals to see if I could balance it. And if it does work, then I will share. But I just feel like why share right now when I don't know? And I don't want people to think of me as a practitioner sharing and then thinking it's, you know, gold information and I, it just might not be. So, and you want to, like you said, you want to kind of see how it affects you first before you right. say this is what you're doing. Like there's a, that's the difference between you and me, right? I'm just saying like, this is what we're going to give this a shot versus, you know, you're, you're in this practitioner space of giving advice to people. Yeah, like one thing I'm doing is I added potassium, which I need to do a whole video on that. But I have always been an advocate of saying you don't need potassium. And I unfortunately will say that I was wrong. Um, There are so many people in the keto space that I kind of grew up learning from that say potassium is not needed. There, you know, you use potassium when you uh, when people are on death row, they use a potassium injection. So and then I know stories of people that have landed in the hospital because of imbalances of potassium. And so I believe that. And then after doing so many hair mineral tests, most carnivores, and I don't even think it's just carnivores, I think it's most people are really deficient in potassium. And I'm already feeling imbalances of electrolytes. So my gut feeling would be like, Oh, gosh, this doesn't work, right? So now all of a sudden, I'm getting like heart palps, which I haven't been getting, but maybe long term, it will be beneficial for me. And so until I know for sure, I don't want to be like, Hey, everyone, you guys should be doing this. So let me say this, though, why? Like, what made you want to get a hair mineral test in the first place? Like, I, I've never gotten one. Should I get one? Like, why would I want to, why, what made you get that in the first place? Because I'm getting it for all my clients and I don't think it's right that I don't have my own experience to then, that's the only reason. I'm so frugal that I would have never got it. But I interviewed Rick Malter, who's a specialist in hair minerals. And he's like, offline, he was like, yeah, you should totally get one because then you'll understand the process of healing. And then, so I got it for my whole family and it's interesting. So me, Caleb and Aiden all have similar hair mineral profiles and then Kevin's kind of different. And so 
we're all now taking supplements, although Kevin's really bad at doing it. But it's because I want to see if I can really balance all of us and if we feel better. And that's the only reason I did it. It wasn't like I'm curious. Like, I'm not a big curious person with testing. I feel fine. I mean, I still nurse my kid at five years old. Um, I get my period monthly, very, very, like, I don't even track because that's how normal it is. So even though technically I have a low T3 marker, I mean, which is thyroid, but uh, I don't worry about it because I don't, I feel totally fine. But I felt like to empathize with my clients, I should get the hair mineral test. And I'm glad I did because there are imbalances with my adrenals, which is not a surprise, but especially because I don't have a consistent sleep cycle. But I would only say for people to get it if they feel imbalances. So if you feel, Laura, like you can never balance your electrolytes where you feel like you're always having to take in salt or by the middle of the night you have foot cramps or you are feeling heart palps or any of those types of things, then yeah, you probably need to get a hair mineral. So then you can see where you're really imbalanced. The hair mineral is pretty powerful. But yeah, I don't know. Lately, if I get a new client, they'll be like, oh, um, I'd like to do your hair mineral test. And I'll say no, you have to do your gut healing first, because I don't want to put them on hundreds of supplements, right? So I'm like, no, do your gut healing first, we're not going to know where your hair mineral, your minerals are at that point. And then later on, if you want to do it, then so be it to fine tune things in the future, usually, especially in the beginning, there's probably a lot of things people can just address without needing to fine tune that. As long as you've been doing this way of eating, you're probably at a point now where you're ready to fine tune some things. It's not something you should be starting off with. Yeah. So for you, Laura, like, let's say you get to a point that you're like, now I'm just at maintenance mode, or if you're at maintenance mode, and let's say something is still off kilter, then maybe it's like, okay, yeah, maybe we try hair mineral, maybe it's mineral imbalance. But I would want to talk to you and then know your signs to see if it's even makes sense to because not everyone needs to do it. Again, this is where working with a practitioner really makes sense. I always been somebody who is terrible with sl- I mean, like, I love sleep. I have always somebody who's needed a lot of sleep, even as a kid, like I would come home from first grade and take a nap because I just was, you know, like needed so much sleep. And then even when I was like pregnant, I would sleep 12 hours a night to like try to get enough rest. Or once I switched to carnivore though, even non-pregnant, I would sleep not eight, at least nine hours every single night and then still want naps and stuff on the weekends. And now I try to sleep eight hours. Chris will tell you that I'm just like, I don't sleep well because I'm crazy and I just <laughs> lay awake at night. So he'll, I'll try, I always try to go to bed before him. And half the time I would say he comes in a couple hours later and I'm still laying there like trying to fall asleep. But I think it's just because like I can't turn my brain off at night. And I don't know if that's a real sleep imbalance or if it's just like I'm obsessive and can't stop thinking about everything, like all the my to-do list and my stress. And maybe that's when I need to incorporate more of the breathing exercises and the mindfulness. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So I think let's say when we're going back to your stressful day, um, if you're super stressed then and you're just like, I am not going to waste any time to go release my stress, then maybe for now, we can pause on that part, right? But we can focus on your sleep. Absolutely, you can do some guided meditation, maybe five minutes before your sleep. Um, Try some magnesium because magnesium calms your body. So that's why I always say use the magnesium spray so you don't have to digest it, it just goes straight into the bloodstream. You could do the warm showers and you know, all the other things like the blue blockers and all of those other things. But what you want to do is just try like even five minutes of guided meditation, and it forces your body to calm down. So we don't know at this point, if our body is always high in cortisol, because I feel like we live in it now, like this is just the new norm. So I always tell my clients that are eating on the go or, you know, just sleeping whenever they can to like right before eating, 
force yourself to do like three really, really hard deep breaths, right? Because that, again, puts your body in more of a rested, relaxed state. And then you eat, even though you're eating at work and you're stressed, don't eat like on the go. But just take a few quick breaths that will put your body in more of a rested state. And then it helps your digestion because your digestion is supposed to be in a rested state. So same thing with sleep. We don't know that we're um, running, running, running. But then at night when you're trying to calm down, maybe it's still high your hormones or um, your cortisol or whatever it is. And so what you want to try, and this may not work, but you can try five minutes of meditation, do some of the breathing to just try to force your body to calm down. Does that, does that work for you? I, so this is where my kind of like machine, right. this is now becomes- like, listen, I'm just going to say it right now. I have, this is not a client call. I agree. I appreciate the advice, yeah. but you have to remember that like, this is, you know, what is it that I am glad you're in a place that you're not emotionally eating anymore. That's the biggest, like, yeah. this is, let's have a celebration right now. <laughs> but what do you do? Like what works for you? I agree that taking mindful breaths for eating. Do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I pray. But here, so there I pray. That's good. And then praying calms me down, right? And then my That's kids will give me a hard time if I stand up and eat or if I'm praying. Um, and so yes, I do try to calm down. And I do. I I always hear the things I say to my clients and when I'm, you know, and so even with before sleep, so I haven't done the mindful meditation before bed only because I read before bed. And so I pass out by reading. Right? But that's so, the way to calm down. I think that's it. Like yeah. you're not like you're not sitting there thinking about your to-do list for the next day or worrying about what you accomplished or like writing scripts for what you got to talk about on a video tomorrow. I do I'm I like write I win a lot of arguments while I'm laying in bed at night and I also <laughs> like plan a lot of YouTube videos that I never actually film while I'm laying in bed at night trying to fall asleep. But um and I have moments like that too where I just grab my phone and I start writing down ideas. So I always say with my clients too that um, a lot of them may be disorganized. And so they're always like, how are you so organized? Right. And I'm like, I think I was just kind of born that way in a sense. Honestly, I've been organized even since I was a little kid. But have your day mapped out the day before. Like that's how I do it. Right. So I'm like, okay, here's some big rocks that I need to get over tomorrow. And here's some little ones that if I can get to. Right. Yeah. And so I prioritize that way. So then at night, I'm not worried over, oh my gosh, what do I need to do the next day? So then I'm not thinking about it. And so then if it's off my plate and off my mind, then I can sleep better. Um, if I have a YouTube video that I need to do, I plan ahead. So really, like for me, what's always worked is planning ahead. Now, what's hard with work or with kids or with life is if a bomb gets thrown on you, right? right. And I guess for me, yeah, I just I, I put up the boundary. I guess that's like because I think of it's it's either Caleb or Aiden or my husband. That's my bomb lately, right? So then it's like no, no, not right now, right? So I put a boundary. Um, yeah, yeah. So this is one thing I would tell my husband at his work because his work does the same thing to him. So I'm like, sure, I'd love to work on this new thing that you're talking about, but I also have X Y Z on my plate as well. So what would you like me to prioritize first? And then you know you give the decision back to your boss. And so you're basically managing your boss, right? And so I know it's easier said than done, but I mean, that's an always an option. I feel like I could use that with like Chris and the kids where they're asking me questions. I'm like, sure, but I also have to like go to work and pay our bills. And I also need to buy food for you. So which would you, no, just, that would be very snarky. And that would probably, Chris yeah. can see me doing that. He's listening to this, rolling his eyes right now. <laughs> no, I know. No, I get it. When I was writing the book and then a little after my Caleb was always like, 
you love your computer more than us or something like that. And obviously that is like the worst thing to hear as a mom. No, my kids call it my zombie phone. And like, they say like, mom, put down your zombie phone because they know that they don't get too much tablet time because we always joke that it's going to make them zombies. And they're like, why do you get it more than we get ours? And I'm like, this, this is my job. And like, that I have to check myself, like, am, that's a whole other thing, but like, right. am I overusing that, my phone or whatever? Like, I do work for my real job on my phone, and then obviously yeah. this hobby, you know, whatever this is as a as a job, and so they that's the same thing. Like, I get called out from them on it as well, and then I'm like, okay, time to put this in another room and, and get right. them my focus, and that, that reduces stress alone. Like, putting it, putting the to phone away and the work away and the computer away and just walking away that reduces stress for me. I know for, and I probably am speaking to all social media influencers right now, but for the first few years of being online, I tried to answer every single message out there. And it was, and then it was one of those comments from Caleb that I realized I'm helping all these other people. And my son now is saying he feels neglected by me. Or right. I mean, that's like an exaggeration, but still. And I realized, why am I doing that? Especially when some of these people are going to like not follow or not going to do this diet. They're going right? to argue so- with you about it. You're going to craft this wonderful response. And then they're going to say like, well, so-and-so Laura said this. And like, they're going to argue with you about all of this. <laughs> so I got to a point. Um, I think it, you know what it was? I think when I started writing carnivore cure, I was kind of offline for a while and that was so freeing. And so it's been weird. Like, so I'm not fully back on anymore. So I post, I stay on for 30 minutes to an hour off and on. And then I don't really come back on. Sometimes I will just to post a story, but I don't look into the comments. I get on DMs maybe once a week now, whereas I used to go every day. And that was like, I measured the time. And I think it was like sometimes three hours. And I was like, I don't have the time to do this anymore yeah. because I have to, first of all, I don't think it's fair to my clients too, on top of that. Cause I, on top of that, I get a bunch of emails and all this. And so I now just prioritize my, um, my clients. And then for everyone else, it's like, either you wait or I just don't work with you. Um, and that has relieved a lot of stress. So I think not being on social media, honestly, as much as we're social media people, I think it actually reduces a lot of stress. So I don't know really what's going on in the carnivore community other than, you know, what you may tell me or what someone else messages me or I see like on the first news news feed that I get. But otherwise, I'm kind of living under a rock and it actually feels kind of good. It is. I'm the same way with something like YouTube, especially like I made a video a year and a half ago that still gets comments on it daily. And I haven't looked or read at those comments in like well over a year. Like that's just you. I just you can't keep up with it. And so you have to know like I'm kind of that same way when I post a video, I try to read the comments and reply to them in the first day or, you know, the first few hours. But then after that, you know, I just have to move on. And it, you also, nobody is like leaving you nasty comments in the first day either. And so all the meanies come out later. And if you're just not reading them, then it never bothers you because you don't ever see, you know, the people who are supporting you the most are usually the ones who are watching those things first. And so then I read all the nice things and then I just move on with my life and ignore everything else and make it that does help reduce stress as far as like from an online perspective I do feel or I guess I don't feel like social media stresses me out very much as long as I don't go down a a rabbit hole of like of that you know it's it's why I 
curate the content that I absorb for that same reason. So I don't get stressed out. Yeah, that's smart. And I mean, that's why I follow um, the people I do. And I barely follow anyone. And it's intentional. I mean, there's a lot of community members I love, and I would love to follow all of them. But I, you know, it's not like, oh, because I'm so cool, or I'm an influencer. And that's why it's just I have to protect myself because that is the only way I'm going to be able to support the community with content. When I start getting down because someone said something mean to me, and there have been some really nasty messages I've received. And then it makes me like, forget it. I don't want to post anything. I don't want to share anything. I don't want to do anything because why get my head bit off for sharing information? And I'm doing it for free. Every post I do, and I know it takes you long too, um, but you know, it takes me at least one hour to make the graphic and then put out like mini blog posts, right? And, and so when I get crapped on, and again, this is why I think I protect myself, because for the greater good of the community, I'd rather produce and produce content that can help more people, even if there's a few nasties um, in the community. And I'm okay, just not answering one on one DMs or messages at this point, because I'd rather For the greater good of people, I think it's better that I just don't get bogged down by one or two nasty comments to me. Yeah, definitely. I have to kind of, I definitely keep track of some of the people who are the kindest to me because that does bring me out of it when you do have those really cranky people every once in a while. But I'm the same way as you. Like I just really keep what I consume pretty minimal and uh, I'm very careful with if it's listen, if it's not fun for me, I just kind of like step back a little bit. I don't have to I usually don't say anything about it. I just kind of take a break. And it's one of those things too funny enough, like Mondays, I tend to hardly post anything on Mondays because I just am so busy and I just don't have usually don't have time. So let's talk about some steps, you know, like of other people. So one thing I think we're really saying is if you notice that you're spending a lot of time on social media and I don't know if you notice this, Laura, but for me, I notice it's not even about carnivore. I think people are a lot more angry online. I don't oh, know. <laughs> yes. So ever since I was like, okay, I'm back from carnivore cure work um, on the book. And now I'm back. And I'm like, whoa, anything I post, there's like some negativity or anger or question. And it's not always, but it's often. And then I see it on other people's pages. And I'm like, okay, this is just not conducive to mental health. It is. I follow so much content that's like not carnivore related, right? And I am not going to explain more than this to say that like I follow a lot of like political things. And I mean, this is what we found if nothing else in the last 18 months is that like rage is a commodity. And it's definitely like, there's also a finite amount of rage that people can have. And I feel like that there's, you know, media and all these sources are like trying to scoop all that up, right? They're trying to get you raged at their instance or their product or click on their links and, and get you to invest in that. And so I agree. If you're online a lot and you find that it's not fun, get off, like set a yeah. limit on your phone. A lot of these apps or even your phone, can you can literally set a limit where it doesn't allow you into the app once you've hit that limit before. But I think that's the difference. If you're feeling nothing but like happiness and encouragement, use it. But if if you're not having fun with it, get off. It's Instagram of all the different social media platforms that there's a correlation between however long you stay on it, the more depressed you are. And I think it was with younger girls that they showed that. And so you become more insecure because, you know, it's just rapid fire pictures and images of other people. And so that kind of scared me because I wasn't there. Like I, like I didn't have that issue, but knowing that as a true fact, I was like, I need to protect myself because again, if I'm going to serve, I need to be as strong as I can be. Definitely, definitely stay away from social media. For me, 
when let's say I get bothered by social media, the way I handle that stress is by either talking to you by talking to my husband. Um, And honestly, like, ever since COVID, I've been reading the Bible a lot more, I know it gets really religious, and I'm not trying to make it like that. But yeah, I've been, um, there was one story about one person that basically went against all these other people and still built a wall, right? Because he felt like it was the right thing to do in his heart. (laughs) And so I feel like, okay, because like, sometimes I'm like, why am I sharing if people are going to get mad about it? And then I realized, okay, actually, it's not for my own selfish reasons. And so it's okay that I'm sharing. And so that that kind of stuff gives me strength. Um, so I think if you ever feel stress, one is find ways to make you feel better, right? So if it's talking to your friend, talking to your mom, talking to your dad, uh, talking to your loved one, that's one, um, you got to find a way to basically manage the stress, you don't want to just um, put it under a rug that will cause a lot of stress, actually. So even if our conscious mind isn't aware of stress that we've had, our physical body is. So you want to always make sure that you manage a lot of your stressors. So one of my clients, or actually two of my clients, they've done a lot of healing, their gut and everything. And now they're doing some of trauma work, because in their past, they've had stuff that has mm-hmm. happened, that they're almost at healing, but they feel like certain things are off. And so now they're seeing therapists to kind of work on that, because it's one, it's causing mineral imbalances. But in general, it's not they're just not getting to 100% healing. Don't sweep stress under the rug. If you feel like animosity to your your significant other because they're not picking up their level of work. So I'll give you an example. On Saturday, um, Kevin took the kids to jujitsu and then he made them lunch. Then he made dinner and then he washed them. And I didn't even go to dinner because I was like, I'm so sorry. Can I just finish the rest of the audiobook? And he's like, totally fine. And he's such a nice person. So I was like, you know what? Um, on Sunday, I'll... I'll watch the kid. And so that's when he started sharing. And he's like, yeah, I feel that um, you got to be a parent, right? (laughs) Like, that's essentially what he was saying about Saturday. And I was like, I'm sorry, I was so focused on getting that big rock done. I forgot that I was a mom for a second, and or that you're a dad. And that's a lot of work. So but him sharing just didn't let animosity you know, further and like us have a fight or have this negative or harmful relationship towards one another. And so the next day, I was like, Yeah, have your time, do your thing. I'm going to watch the kids. And then today, I made dinner, I said, tomorrow, you go do your thing. I'll watch the kids, right? So if you feel, I don't know, negativity, upset at somebody, um, figure out how you can maybe talk to them and find that boundary or that that's basically self care for me, at least. And I recommend. Yeah, that's what works for Chris and I in our relationship. Um, we have to plan ahead and say like, especially because he's a stay at home dad and does all the school runs and all the drop ups and all the everything. And so sometimes that's it's like weird because I can't be a part of that because I'm I work full time and it's hard for me. But then it's also like I miss I feel like I miss that. So I try to it's a balance of like getting super involved versus not. So we, we communicate a lot about that things. And then it's, you know, me trying to make sure he's getting breaks, like planning ahead, like, okay, well, when are you going to get a break? But one thing that he does really well though, is also recognizing that even though I work full time, I still need a break from the family and that I still need me time. Because if I went straight from working 60 hours a week and then doing a little bit of this social media stuff to the, and the kids, like all of those things are great. And all of those things are very important, but I also have to have that me time in there as well. And so even if I do get a day off, I try to give the kids as much focus and attention and we do lots of stuff together, but he's also really good at saying like, okay, now when is you, like, when is your time? And like, when is Laura's me time? Like, what do you need from me? And that is 
it's obvious he needs that break, but he's really good at acknowledging that I need it probably even more than I am. Um, and like telling me like, girl, you need a break. Go, <laughs> go do something. Go tanning. It's, it's funny because you messaged me that a long time ago. You were like, what do you do for Judy self-care, right? And I remember thinking, what do I do? And I remember that was a question that came up in my therapy a long time ago in disordered eating. And I thought about it a lot ever since you brought that up to me. But um, I took a personality test. And so I'm very data driven, obviously, it's not a surprise. Um, and so I like doing research. And so that is where I'm driven. You have to and research so, yourself. Yeah. So no. So the thing is, um, I think I actually get motivation and drive when I do like write blog posts as nerdy and boring as that sounds like I actually enjoy writing. And so writing these blog posts. So it's a blend of work, but it's actually what I really like to do. So that's, you know, I tried. So on one of my birthdays, I went to get a pedicure. I was like, I'm never doing that again. I'm just so simple with all of that stuff. I was like, I hated it. I hate the massage chair. It like hurts my body. I'm sore for three after that stinking massage. I can't do it. I can't do it either. Yeah. So that's why, you know, that's why I tell my clients that glass jar we're talking about. You have to figure out what's best. For me, it's connection, like connection and writing just if I wrote a blog post where I was like, oh my God, this is so good. I'm so happy, right? Um, and then I want to share with everyone and no one wants to read it, right? But no, like my, I'll like force Kevin to read it. But that makes me happy. Um, connecting, like having a good laugh with my kids or having a connection with like what we're doing or like talking to my, my husband or my brother or my parents, like those things fulfill me. Because I think I'm naturally, I, I guess I'm naturally an extrovert. So I get energy from other people. So that's how I self-care. But not everyone does that. Like my husband would die if he has to ex- self-care with ex- being extroverted. He's more like, I need my own time. I need to watch a bunch of TV. And I can't do that. Like if I watch a lot of TV, I, I feel icky. I, I don't know how else to explain it, but I feel icky. <laughs> but finding something that you feel afterward oh, wow, I feel better now, right? And that's- there are, there's so many people that this, I do not understand these people, but the think exercise does that. <laughs> like actually, Chris is one of those people, pretty much every day when I get out of work, he goes for a walk outside in the sun, like in the afternoons, even if it's 120 degrees in Phoenix, like he needs to go outside and go for a walk and get some sun. He listens to podcasts, like that's his me time. That sounds like torture to me and I would rather never do that. So like, me time stress release for me, like, like almost kind of like what you said, I need to feel accomplished. I love running errands alone. That sounds so weird, but like I can feel really accomplished and get a bunch of stuff done. And so like going to the grocery store, going to Costco, going and doing a bunch of errands by myself is almost me time because I can be very efficient. I listen to podcasts, same thing when I do that. And I'm checking things off a to-do list, but I am a little bit on the other side, like Kevin, where I can just lay in bed and watch TV. And that's the other part of me when I feel like I've been go, go, go. And I haven't had a moment to just breathe. I want to watch trashy TV. I mean, trashy is a bad word, but like terrible TV, right? Terribly quality TV, like reality television and be on my phone and just kind of like have that moment to breathe. And it's, it's, you can't spend too long there. Cause I feel like, like you said, you'll just get sucked in. It's a balance. So I do have to have a little bit of that though sometimes, um, or I just get so overwhelmed that I, I just kind of don't, you're like running downhill and you don't know how to stop. And so mm-hmm. I need those moments where like, maybe I need to replace that with med- meditation instead of like bad reality television. But, um, 
I feel like that's kind of how I slow down. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, um, we all decompress differently. Yeah, it's just interesting. Um, I think I really decompress by reading. Sounds so nerdy, but yeah, I do. Um, no, but that's, you have to find, I think you have to find what works for you. Um, and I think so many, there's so many options too. I wish I could be somebody who like, felt amazing by doing a lot of exercise, but it's just not going to happen. I miss and the sauna was a big thing for me. I could go, I got motivated to exercise for a little while when I could go to the sauna afterwards. And then obviously that was closed, but I like to go tanning. That's another part of it. Like I can sometimes after a really stressful day at work, like typically actually funny enough, Mondays, usually after I get off work every Monday, I just go tanning and can kind of lay there and bake and listen to a podcast and get warm. I like that a lot. So that's helpful. People need to just find what works for them. Everyone is so different. Like you're right. My mom, I'm thinking about it. My mom, she veges by uh, watching some TV as well. So I think everyone is different. You just got to figure out what makes sense for you. And the way to do that is do it when you're in a very normal state, right? So not try to do what comes to your mind when you're stressed, because normally your stress response will be bad things, right? So because again, you're not using your sound mind, you're going to turn to alcohol or the drugs or whatever you used to turn to to before to deal with that survival stress. And so your body's going to crave all of those things. So if you don't um, have other kind of habits in place, it's very dangerous because you'll go back to it. I think that's why proactively what keeps me from going back to emotionally eating is to I, if I am really stressed out and in the height of this moment and I do sit on the couch to watch television, then all I want to do is emotionally eat. So I, I have learned, this is where I've learned over the last year, especially last year, that I can't fall into that trap of like being super stressed out and sit on the couch to watch a movie because I'll just start eating, even if it's pepperonis and string cheese and stuff. So that's when I make the choice to like go run near and get out of the house, go sit out and do something, try to break out of my normal routine I guess that's how I'm learning to stop the stress eating. And then at the end of the day, it's having that non-negotiable of if it's carnivore, it is what it is um, versus, but still trying to learn better habits and break out of my old tendencies of, of using that food. When you're mentally still kind of hooked on the cravings of these certain foods, you have to one nourish your body, right? So your body is physically not craving foods because it's hungry. But after that, when it's the mental stress, and then you're just used to habit. For me, I do remember it being hard now, now that I'm thinking back. And so some of it was like habit stacking what James Clear calls. And so if you're always used to watching TV and then vegging with food, then you if you're stressed, you should never do the TV because you're naturally going to want to pair it with your food, right? So that's smart that you're going out, you're changing the environment and you're changing your habit. That's why I got into the painting by numbers thing because it got me away from the TV. It got me standing. It got me like moving my hands for a little bit or like doing something with my hands. Like I know people have taken up crocheting because it just keeps their hands busy and it keeps them away from like eating while they're doing that or it gets me away from the television. I think in the beginning I used to eat beef jerky with the fam while they're watching a movie and while they're eating popcorn or whatever. And and then and then I started just kind of getting on my computer and like go answering emails. So basically was trying to change the habit so that it wasn't food. And so now I could sit with them and eat nothing while they're snacking. And it's not a big deal. But it took work to get here. And right. now it's like three years in, right? So the whole point is, 
when you're going through stress, you have to have habits that will replace the old habit of turning to food. And that is so easily said than done. But you even need to have a habit that you can replace it with. And that's what you have to figure out. Um, I think for Laura, she's figuring out being busy and running errands. But for other people, you just have to figure out like, When I used to crave sugar, when I first went keto and I was going crazy, I would run down the hill, uh, run down the street. So you have all this cortisol in your body. You feel the stress. You're pacing back and forth in the kitchen. It's like, oh, I want to eat it, but I I shouldn't. You know, that, that, that anxiety, right? I used to literally get my shoes on and just run down the street like a crazy person. Or like I would get into my pillow or like I would get on my pillow and scream into my pillow, right? Just whatever it was to kind of, they call it like riding the wave. So you get over that high anxiety that you feel. And then if it doesn't go away, even in 15 minutes, then they say, be very mindful of what you're eating and kind of handle it. So if you're like, I really want to eat that piece of chocolate, then the goal is while you're eating it, instead of just like binging off it, just being very mindful. So how do you feel right now? Okay, now that it's on your tongue, how do you feel? What does it taste like? What are the emotions you're going through? Are you excited you're eating it? Or are you like, Oh, I failed again. And you know, this and that. And so like processing all of that, it just makes you more aware of why you're doing what you're doing. And then maybe the next time you don't need to actually touch the chocolate, or maybe it won't lead to a binge, you know, things like that. So it's all hard work, but it's, it's so worth it down the road, right? So don't you feel so much better that you don't binge off of junk food instead you go run errands even though it's quote-unquote harder to do that oh yeah it took me a long time to get here too and I I mean I can't talk about I mean I have talked about how many times I've failed like getting to this point and I think now I still like I kind of joke that I had I literally had to get a hobby because I needed something to do that wasn't just eating and baking and thinking about food all the time and so I think putting putting the work in and realizing you know giving yourself those safe outs, giving yourself those safe things that you can have if you are going to snack or if you are going to emotionally eat, like what are the foods that you're allowing yourself to do that? And then continue to work on replacing those habits, replacing those triggers, knowing that this is what you typically do when you're stressed. So how can you avoid it? Like I know that I typically would fall into those traps before. And so today with second nature, without even thinking about it, I was able just to eat a bunch of bacon and know that I shouldn't be fasting. And like without even really processing it, just kind of make those decisions. Um, and, and it came out really naturally and I'm perfectly happy with the way things came out today. And I'm actually like, I feel the tension out of my shoulders now, just talking to you. Like we probably would have been talking anyway after the day I had, but (laughs) this is, you're, you're, you're planning ahead. And so whether, whatever happened today, it's knowing kind of like when you're not in that moment of that stress, what happens, what are your tendencies? And then how are you going to avoid it for next time has been the biggest thing for me. And it's taken me three years to get to the, this point. And it still doesn't mean that I'm perfect, but it definitely is a lot of progress. Yeah. Two things. One um, that my friend said, and one that a, a mentor said of mine is this too shall pass right? So in that moment, whatever you feel like the world is crashing, it will pass. And then secondly, my friend used to always say to me, Judy, you can eat tomorrow. <laughs> like, I know that sounds so weird. But she would say that to me because I would have such like decision fatigue or, you know, she'd see me like restrict and binge and, and that was so eye opening. So sometimes I'm like, it's okay, Judy, you don't have to eat everything today. You'll, you'll get it tomorrow, right? Or 
That's no, that's so completely true. And when I'm like super stressed out at night or Chris and I get really snacky sometimes like watching TV, it's like, I tell myself that all the time. Like, just don't snack tonight. Like you can snack tomorrow. All those things you want to eat right now, just eat them in the morning. You're not actually hungry right now. There's no reason why you can't just wait. That's how I make it through literally every single craving is just saying to myself, you can have that later. And then by the time I get to later, I'm a stronger future Laura. That's future Laura's problem. Like (laughs) she's stronger than me. Like in the moment, Laura is not so tough, but future Laura is much stronger. One thing I recommend is that when you're first starting off, one of the things I did in therapy was write to your six month future self. So how do you imagine your life in six months and then write to that person and imagine your life that way or in, or write down, like visualize what you'll, your life will be six months free. And so I wrote to myself that I was no longer a binger and I wrote down all these things. And when you look back, it's so powerful, right? So if yeah. you always journal, you know where you came from. So then, and then with that, I always recommend doing a pros and cons list, right? So if you write down when you're again in a good place, not when you're stressed, but you talk about okay, what are the pros and cons of binging and not binging or eating sugar and not sugar or whatever other food and then figure out, is it worth it? And then on the in the moments where you're so stressed, and all you want is some junk food, or just you don't care what you do with your actions, open that book and read it. And maybe it's sometimes you have to just post that on the refrigerator, right your pros and cons list. And you read the cons. And if it's like, um, I'm losing all my friends, I'm diabetic, I am 100 pounds overweight, Maybe that sometimes will stop you and be like, it's not worth it today. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I think that's a good place for us to end today. Yeah. So if you guys found this conversation to be helpful, please uh, make sure to share and make sure to message us and let us know what you found helpful and tag us in your stories with the podcast share. Thanks so much for listening today. Make sure you stay tuned next week for a brand new episode. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain.